You're tuned to The Conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Catherine Cruz. Today our hearts are heavy with the lives lost in the wildfire and the many more still unaccounted for. There's so much uncertainty ahead, but it is our hope that for a time today we can move a step toward healing as we take solace in recalling the history of a place. So while the structures are gone or damaged, that the stories of Lahaina will live on. We invite you to join our roundtable talk today, our call-in show. Our guests today are Bishop Museum's historian DeSoto Brown. He joins us in studio. Good morning, DeSoto. Well, good morning, and I'm very happy to be here, and thank you for asking me to come. Yes, nice to see you. And Theo Morrison, the executive director of the Lahaina Restoration Foundation, she joins us via phone from the Valley Isle. Welcome. Welcome, Theo. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Yes. And, you know, let's start with you. I mean, you're there, boots on the ground. Folks may not know about your organization, but what can you tell us about your kuleana and and how things are there? Okay. Well, actually, this this is a celebration of our 60th year working in Lahaina, serving the community of Lahaina. And um, what we do is we've, over those 60 years, we've restored many of the sites which we now need to restore again. <laughs> um, we saved them actually back in the, in the 70s and the 80s, and now um, they've been so damaged that we need to um, redo that work. Uh, we also, a big part of what I've been working with the Lahaina Restoration for 16 years and a big part of what I do is um, invite the community in to the historic sites and by doing, by doing a variety of different um, events and activities. We have night at the museum, we have um, kids classes, we have cultural classes, um, we do tours, we do all, and we do um, Hawaiian music series. We've been doing that for 15 years. We do, a, and we've recently started a movie, although this might be paused for a while. We're doing movies at the old prison. So we try to um, really gear toward the local community to bring them into our sites where they can learn more about the history of Lahaina. And you oversee, and off, oh. you, you oversee what, about what, 13 properties? Is that right? Uh, correct. It, some we own, some we just manage. And so how did they all fare? Can you give us a sense? Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance really to go through there yet. Um, well, I've, yeah, I've seen the, the, from the photographs. So, I mean, I can tell you one by one. The, the old line of courthouse is gutted. The, the roof caught on fire, fell to the second floor, which caught on fire, fell to the first floor, which landed in the basement. So everything... A very little, we, we don't know yet what survived, but we do not expect very much. The old Lahaina prison, all the wood buildings, the, the wall is still standing, but the gatehouse, the, the prison, the cell block is gone, and this wonderful whaling boat that we had is gone. Uh, Hale Aloha, um, this is where we had all our, it was like a workshop um, to take care of all our artifacts, it's gutted. Roof gone, second floor gone, gutted. The Baldwin home, same thing. So when I say gutted, that means the walls are still standing because the walls were um, coral block and stone. So 
Baldwin home, same thing, totally gutted. Master's reading room, which is right next to the Baldwin home, gutted. The kindergarten building, which was a totally wood building behind the Baldwin home, totally destroyed, gone. The Wohing um, Society Hall and Cookhouse, a wood building, totally destroyed. The Pioneer Mill office, which is a cement building, totally gutted. And the Agawa home, which was a, a wood plantation style home, um, totally destroyed. The plantation house, which is a, um, it's again, it's a stone and coral block building, was gutted. Oh no, sorry, sorry, sorry. That was a wood building next to the Siemens Hospital. The plantation house is gone. Siemens Hospital um, is gutted. And then the Pioneer Mill smokestack um, had a couple of uh, original locomotives in front of it. The locomotives got wind damage, and uh, but overall that, that site is pretty good. And the only building that survived intact with no damage whatsoever is Holly Pai up at the Lahaina Luna High School. And it survived because it was above the fire when the winds were pushing down. So, I mean, that's just not, heartbreaking, the loss, as you as you thumb through this. I mean, DeSoto, what are you thinking? Because I'm visually, you know, uh, it's popping into my mind of what was there. I didn't realize that there were this many buildings. I didn't realize that the foundation was in charge of so many buildings and that, that there were this many historic sites. Certainly I knew from, again, videos and photographs of the gutted buildings and the ones that were the, the better known ones that were completely destroyed. But again, uh, you know, to me, this is, this is the, the time that we are, as I said to you when we were talking this, about this beforehand, What's going to be restored? How is it going to be restored? And this is not only for the historic buildings we just heard the list of, but the town in its entirety. And there are so many considerations for the reconstruction of Lahaina in terms of, for example, withdrawing from the shoreline because of sea level rise, the idea of if Front Street is reconstructed as it was, does it become a pedestrian-only street? Um, and then the larger things, which other people have already brought up, the historic uh, Hawaiian-ness of Lahaina, the famous um, ponds which were there, the wetlands which were there, Moku'ula, the, the island in the largest pond, uh, which was a very sacred site for, for Hawaiians of the 19th century, and the famous breadfruit ulu groves that were, Lahaina was known for in the 19th century and earlier. So there are so many considerations of so many different time periods of Lahaina's existence. And that's, that's another really important part of this. We, we have Lahaina of the Royal Hawaiian background. We have Lahaina as a place where Hawaiians lived in traditional ways. We have Lahaina as a plantation town, a sugar plantation town. We have Lahaina as a tourist destination, which is what it was when it burned. All of these things are part of its history. And what do we go back to? What do we look to? How do we do it? Where does the money come from? Uh, huge numbers of things to think about. Yes, and you know, Theo, I don't know, you know, have you had a chance to talk to your board or your staff uh, since suffering this loss? Or to talk to, talk to them about which? Just about 
you know, what what is there and what isn't there anymore and, and, and what lies ahead? I mean, uh, you know, do you plan to meet soon? Uh, yeah, we do plan to meet soon. I mean, every, you got to understand, everybody's, like, traumatized. Many of my staff and my board lost their homes. Oh. My home is um, it's standing, but it's... Um, I can't live there. It's unhabitable, so I'm displaced. Um, I'm living in Wailuku now, and then our office was also on the the second floor of the Baldwin home. So everything in our office is completely destroyed. So we had to re rebuy computers. Fortunately, everything was fortunately our all our files were were backed up digitally, so we were able to download those. And we're just trying to, yeah, get started again. But no, we haven't really had any big regular full board meetings um, yet. Well, we're, we're planning one for the end of September. Well, I know that uh, many museums are in the process of uh, digitizing their collections. Uh, you folks were doing that as well? Correct. We were in the process of doing that. We're working with OHA for their Papakila database. And I'm not sure exactly how far we were. We're mostly done with the process, but um, we were doing it at Hali Aloha, so we did lose quite a few artifacts and archives that were in the were getting ready to be um, digitized. So I'm not sure exactly how much we how much we saved and how much we didn't right now. But um, we're in that process. But we'd also just recently digitized uh, a whole lot of the building plans for the, for many of the buildings. And at the time I was thinking, well, why am I doing this? <laughs> because well, this is costing a lot of money, but this is important, so I'm doing it. And now I'm really glad I did it. So wow. digitization, although I'm sure there's some pitfalls to digitization, but digitization is of the things that we digitized are the things that we saved. Yes, yes. And the things at at Holly, Holly um, Pai. Other than that, everything's gone. Yeah. With exception, we, like I said, we haven't gone in yet. We haven't been allowed to go in yet. So we do expect to find a few things, maybe some of the Hawaiian um, uh, stone implements or some of the metal implements from the whaling era. We don't know, but we do expect to find some things, not very many, because the intensity of the of the heat was about 2,000 degrees. Wow, that's pretty so pretty anything incredible. Anything that all the top of the paper, the those things just instantly vaporized. Yeah. Well, I want to take a pause here to share with our listeners uh, how we decided to dedicate this show today to Lahaina stories. Um, it was prompted by a voicemail that we received from a listener not long ago. Here's the actual message that she left. I have an idea to help preserve Lahaina's history. I was wondering if there could be a place that people write their memories of Lahaina and it can be preserved forever. And for us oldies, is there a way we could submit it via snail mail because we don't have computer? I hope this would help preserve our beautiful Lahaina forever. And, you know, sometimes the written word preserves things even better. God bless you and aloha. Goodbye. So that touched our hearts. And we thought, gosh, is there something that we could do 
to allow people to share those stories. And uh, I, I will let you know that the State uh, Public Archives uh, has agreed to be the repository. If anybody wants to write in their stories about Lahaina and living through this disaster and uh, you know, surviving this disaster, uh, they are, are willing to uh, be the repository, and, and we will have information about that at the end of our show. Uh, I just want to remind our listeners, uh, this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. Our guests today are Bishop Museum Historian DeSoto Brown in studio and Theo Morrison from the Lahaina Restoration Foundation. She joins us by phone from Maui. You can join the discussion by calling us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And DeSoto, gosh, you just mentioned before you, you sat down here that you plan to head to Lahaina in a few days. Well, I'm not going to you know, go into Lahaina itself. I don't think I'm allowed to yet. And uh, I may take a drive past Lahaina. I'm going to be going to Maui this coming week because they need people, local people, to be taking staycations here to help them. So that's something that came to mind, and I decided I would do that. And um, I again may look upon Lahaina from a distance if so close as I'm allowed to go but something else that you and I discussed yesterday which I think is in the same vein as the the message that we just heard from your listener was I think there needs to be well two things also need to be considered for Lahaina in the future one is a, obviously a memorial in a public place with perhaps the names of the people who died but also in the same vein as other museums which exist in other places, there needs to be a fire museum. And this is the time for artifacts to start being collected for a fire museum. It doesn't have to be a big museum, but this would be things like, and I'm just sort of brainstorming here, a car, because we've seen so many destroyed vehicles, and preferably a car from Front Street, which is now has been famous because of the lineup of burned cars on Front Street, which is so evocative of the whole trauma and the whole disaster and how quickly it happened. And other objects, too, that may have been burned, singed, um, signs, metal objects, glass objects that, again, as Theo just mentioned, the, the heat of the fire was so extreme. If there can be everyday objects that we all are familiar with, which show the effects of 2,000 or 1,000 degrees of Fahrenheit, of heat, melted bottles or things like that. That's going to really tell a story in a way that words themselves, just by themselves, can't do it. And when we talked yesterday, you said this fire is our 9-11 and we're coming up on 9-11. And, and I had the opportunity to go see the museum there and boy, was that powerful. Yeah, and I have not done that yet, but that's... I'm th and, and, and Hiroshima, too. Uh, again, everyday objects, which all of us can relate to, that show the effects of the fire in Lahaina will, again, be very powerful to, for all of us to relive that and remember it. Not necessarily relive the trauma, but remember, because remembering is very, very important. And uh, I know that the Bishop Museum has made the offer uh, to the museum folks that 
you know, they whatever expertise they can offer, if it's sifting through, you know, some of the ash for artifacts that they're willing to help when the time is right, when, yes. you know, when it's appropriate yes. uh, and it's safe to, uh, to go in there. But any other thoughts, Theo? I mean, I know the Bishop Museum said that if need be, you know, they're making space at their facility here on Oahu, but do you think there'll be a need for that or, or, or do you think there'll be places well, there on Maui? Yeah, we don't know yet, but we're really, um, we would prefer that Lahaina objects stay in Lahaina and we do have, um, facilities here where they were if if holly holly pie is too full if we were lucky enough to find enough objects and that becomes too full the bailey house is here and and the sugar museum is here we have we have facilities good facilities on this island where they could be stored and if yeah it's wonderful if we have some real expertise people that would like to come help us if we need that um that's all great we right now we just don't know there's so much we don't know because we're restricted from the site. Yes, so much uncertainty. And you know, one of the things that struck me when, of course, being historically minded, I've been looking online to see what memorial things, or not memorial things, but what images there are of Lahaina. And we're fortunate, you know, Theo was mentioning digitization, that so many tourists have gone to Lahaina, have taken photographs, have taken videos, and posted them online. So, for example, the interior of the museum that was in the old courthouse building, there are a number of photographs and, and videos of what was in there. Um, and as I know very well from working in a museum, a lot of times you do not take pictures of all of your exhibits because they're right there in front of you and you don't expect they're ever going to go away. And then suddenly right. something like this happens and you are very grateful if you can do some level of reconstruction based on the visual things that still remain and if tourists took them all the better okay all right well if you're just joining the conversation we're talking about Lahaina stories and we'd love it if you would share your memories about the town what's your connection and what stories would you like to keep alive you can join the discussion by calling us at 941-3689 or 1-877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands we'll be right back after a break Support for HPR comes from SMS Consulting, providing data-driven strategic planning and evaluation services to nonprofits, businesses, and government agencies in Hawaii. Learn more at smshawaii.com. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Daniel Pinchbeck. I'm the author of How Soon Is Now, Breaking Open the Head, 2012, The Return of Quetzalcoatl. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about planetary evolution of consciousness. Beginning Sunday morning at 11. Come 
You're back with the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. Our guests in studio today, DeSoto Brown from Bishop Museum, and uh, joining us also from Maui is Theo Morrison from the Lahaina Restoration Foundation. Uh, we're talking about Lahaina stories, and we did have a chance to talk to William Chapman. He's the dean of the University of Hawaii at Manoa School of Architecture. Uh, you know, Lahaina means so many things to so many people, but here's what he had to say about the significance of Pioneer Inn. I mean, you find parallels in a number of other plantation towns. Even Pioneer Inn, of course, is a much later building, sort of the third period of the significance of Lahaina. Let me say something more about Pioneer Inn. It became a kind of, I think, a signature for the town. It was built in 1901, and as you know, the Pioneer Inn was really named after the Pioneer Mill, and that was the beginning of the sugar industry in West Maui. In fact, almost all the buildings that you see in your typical photographs of Front Street or other parts of Lahaina were, in fact, from that plantation era, and they false front kind of architecture that you'd call kind of Italianate, sort of like what you saw when watch as a kid or something watching Gunsmoke. You know, the Pioneer Inn stood in for Tahiti in a, at least one movie, and uh, James Michener actually wrote part of Hawaii, his big uh, saga that was made into two different movies and had such an impact on promoting Hawaii in the 1950s when those movies came out in the early 60s. He wrote part of it in the Pioneer Inn. It has its own separate kind of interesting history. Any thoughts on that, DeSoto? <laughs> no, I'm just I, I'm, I'm chuckling to remember the movies that he's talking mm-hmm. about. There was one movie called uh, Twilight for the Gods, and the other film that he was talking about was um, uh, The Devil at Four O'Clock, which Lahaina stood in for a sort of fictitious uh, tropical island in which the entire island is destroyed by a volcanic eruption. But there was a scene in which they staged in Lahaina with some false buildings that they built, which was supposed to be a terrible earthquake, and extras are running around, and a big crack opens up in the ground, et cetera, and it's, it's filmed in these familiar places in Lahaina. So that's why I'm laughing. I'm remembering that scene. Yeah, and I think that's the whole point, right, is for us to just uh, uh, those warm uh, memories, uh, bring them up again, uh, because, you know, that'll help with the healing, I think, right? Right, Theo? Right. A- any thoughts that you have about the uh, Pioneer Inn? I was just shocked when I saw the photo that it was gone. I, I mean, to me, um, the Pioneerian was just an, such an integral part of Lahaina's um, harborfront. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it that it was just a pile of ash. That was that was a hard one for me to, to see. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, well, the other thing that was mentioned earlier, what what made what makes Lahaina so unique is that to every era of significant area of Lahaina's, I mean, of Hawaii's history, Lahaina was an important place. And so you have the pre-contact, the monarchy, the whaling, the missionary, the plantation, and now tourism. And it wasn't just um, a small place. It was an important place. Like it was the first capital of the Hawaiian kingdom. And, you know, the whaling ships, there was a ton of them here when they were here for a short time. 
and the Pioneer Mill was one of the bigger plantations on the island. But what's so all there's like remnants, physical remnants from all these eras. Well, they were <laughs> still there in Lahaina, and that's what this. Uh, it was kind of interwoven. It was the, the remnants from these eras. It was interwoven in the texture of the town. And it just made the place so interesting. It wasn't just one thing. It was this history, a history of people over a, you know quite a long span of time, and they left their mark. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, the Wohing Museum. That's plantation era, but that was you know just sort of sitting there with all the other buildings, the other plantation got a standard kind of buildings around it, and then boom, there's a there's the um, Chinese uh, Wohing. So it's just that is what made Lahaina unique. The stories, and underneath it, of course, was all the Hawaiian history. Yes. So it just was a really, really incredibly interesting place. Well, we have a, a number of callers that have been waiting on the line, uh, but let's go to Carol first uh, from Honolulu. What's on your mind? Hi, I, I, I listening to you all speak, I've, I've been wondering, it's not a story so much, it's a question. Um, obviously, the, the loss of life and homes and livelihoods has been by far the most devastating aspect of the fire, but it's been really tragic also to hear about the loss of, of um all of the artifacts and things and in my ideal utopian word world the moment this happened museums all over the globe would start combing their collections and looking to see if they happen to have anything that would have been from Lahaina um, through history and they donate it the same way the community has come together does that ever happen where where people try to help museums that have gone through this kind of loss recreate their correction their collections using things from from other museums around the world Soto, do you know? Uh, yeah, yes. it, yeah. Oh, oh, go ahead, Theo. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That that has already happened, and that absolutely happened when Lahaina Restoration restored the Baldwin Home in the the seventies or the sixties, whatever it was. You know, people were able to send us artifacts either from the Baldwin family or from that era of history. So yes, that's absolutely. We just haven't got to that point yet. You know, you got to. We're still reeling from this whole thing, but and we don't have any place. We couldn't accept a lot of donations right now, so we'd probably wait a little bit until we had some, some, some of those museums ready to accept donations. But yes, absolutely, that would be. Um, we've already actually, because <laughs> I had a really nice bookshelf in my office with a, a whole lot of, um, actually they were from previous um, executive directors, just from a long period of time, probably the 60 years we've been around, a good collection of uh, historic um, books about Lahaina, good history books, they all went. And so just the other day, somebody donated about 15 new, uh, not new, old history books to us so that that was history books about Lahaina and Hawaii nice so that was really nice yeah yeah, yeah. DeSoto uh, any other thoughts yeah and the other thing that uh, in addition to artifacts what also can come from other museums are 
if necessary, copies of not only documents, but photographs, maps, and other things which not necessarily, you don't necessarily need the actual objects, but you can reproduce them, you can show them in, uh, you can use them digitally, and you can use them in displays as well as informational uh, panels and things like that. So that's also something that's going to be possible, fortunately, to reconstruct from the scattered things that are all over the place. Uh, and even it's even possible now to buy things online, too, that may not be, that, that could be more recent, um, postcards and things like that, too, which are historic now, which can be, again, reconstructed through finding all over the place. We have another caller on the line, uh, George Komoku Jr. Are you on the line with us? Yes, yes, I'm on, on the line right now, and I was listening to uh, what everybody was saying. I'm actually a musician. I've been blessed to go to the Grammy seven times, and you know, I, I was thinking what I remember about when I was I started like handling for almost you know 20, 20 years, and uh, it was the camaraderie and how people would come and we'd share food. Like the Tongans would bring their their food, and you know, at lunchtime, and the Filipinos would bring it for and it just goes to the old days. And another thing that we would do is we would share songs. So I was just thinking, man, all of the songs that we, you know, about Lahaina, not only Lahaina Luna written by Kui Lee, but also the, other, the real Lahaina Luna song written by Amo Kini. And all of the songs, there's, there's one, um, I wrote a song called La Kavi Kamalo and one called Kahalevai, but there's also the plantation songs like Laituru. Laituru, Laituru, Eddie Kamai was from um, Oluwalu, so, you know, those songs and another one called Kill Up Me We Father. So I'm I'm thinking to get uh, putting together an album of all the you know, the the Hawaiian uh, the, the music that came from the different eras, you know, from that from that time uh, period. That's and a it, great uh, idea. I love it. Yeah. Well I was gonna go go off at, at, at the idea of sharing food, but what why not sharing a culture, you know? Yeah. Even music. I had I, I when I taught at La Hinoon I had uh, Mexican kids and, and uh kids and everybody would bring their culture to share you know the, what kind of food they had and we also shared songs and that kind of stuff so that's what I remember most and uh, about Lahaina Luna is that, that the fact that it was a strong even a football team and everybody there's a sense of you know I went to Kamehameha schools for 13 years I'm a graduate from Kamehameha schools and I never saw that kind of spirit even at Kamehameha that I saw at, at, uh, at Lahaina Luna you know thanks to the staff there and you know like uh, Uncle Art Pilazar and uh you know, our principal, Mike Nakano and Bruno, you know, so it took a, took like a whole community. And I think this whole thing has been like sort of like a, a cleansing, you know, to bring us back to what is really important. You know, it, um, uh, the fires are like a cleansing and bringing us, okay, all this other stuff, you know, is it's not as important as a sense of family, a sense of, sense of community. So that's what I'm going, uh, you know, that's my takeaway from all of this happening. But certainly tragic and uh, I, I don't think Maui or Lahaina will ever be the same like how it was before but it'll be a new Lahaina yep. you know with yep. some of the artifacts maybe in museums but maybe we need to bring those things out of the museums and into commonplace you know well but George that's, that's well, my thinking we're gonna we're gonna hold you to that album yeah. <laughs> and hopefully we can have a concert uh, all things Lahaina that would just would be precious uh, what well, well, thank you for that uh, thank you for sharing a chant within my uh, Eddie Kamai's uh, aunt uh, uh, grandma who uh, called Kananaka. He talks about uh, uh, the mermaid there, at, uh, going, a surfing mermaid down at, um, you know, right, right, uh, right across from Pioneer Mill that used to be where guys go surfing, you know. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do research as many songs as I can. And I've wrote a, written a, a few myself, like wrote one for David Malodet and um, and then another one about, you know, even when 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 I first came in 1992, some of the, the, the even in the archives was wrong. Like um, they called the mountains, uh, the West Maui Mountains, Kahalawai. It was in the maps and everything. But when I was there, I talked to an old kupuna. His name was uh, Buddy Pardin, and he was the a sister, a brother, a younger brother of Auntie Irmgard and Auntie Punani farted. And he said the name was wrong. It was supposed to be Kahalevai, a house that holds the water. Not Hala means to pass away, it was the dead water. You know, it's not the dead water. It was the, 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 the house that held all the water. And, yeah, and, and Lahaina used to be just like Waikiki. It was all swampland. Yeah. I'm not yeah. kidding. It was all swampland. Yeah. That's why they had those islands and everything before. That's why they had so much... You know, in order to go Ulu and Taro and all like that, you yeah. needed a lot of water. But when the plantations came, you went to monocropping. And so so I think that the thing that's going to save Lahaina is the diversity of its people and go back to the, the diversity of, of planting di- different things. That's, that's the other thing, too. When the plantations went out, okay, what, what took all was all the invasive species of the, you know, of the, uh, of the grasses and stuff that was actually made for cattle and, and other things like that. So... But if it was planted back in the, you know, the, the native species, the trees, uh, you still have a lot of coal up there. Yes. And in the mountains, had, um, you know, lehua, and then uh, down below you can get uh, other kinds of dryland, um, you know, crops and stuff like that. In a, like Uhaloa grows terrific, still there. Yeah, well, we have this fabulous diversity there in Lahaina, the rich so history, the, the rich the history, the, uh, the, 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 you know the the layers uh, from plantation yeah. days and pre-contact, and I don't know. Is there anything more we should say though about uh, the Hawaiian history, DeSoto? Oh, absolutely. There's there's so much that that could be talked about, and and Theo has already mentioned this, and I've mentioned it a little bit too. Lahaina's uh, relevance for not only the, the the government being there, but also as a major burial place of Ali'i. And this is a very fascinating story that uh, in the major fish pond that was the pond that was in Lahaina, uh, Mokuhinia, I believe it was called, there was a little island called Mokuula. And that was the, there was a crypt on that island in which a number of different Ali'i were buried from, particularly from the 19th century. And uh, in 1884, Bernice Pawahi Bishop traveled there because Lahaina at that point was no longer the capital. It was said that uh, she had the remaining uh, coffins of the Ali'i that were in Mokuula, the crypt there, transferred to the graveyard of the Waina'i Church, which unfortunately has just burned down, is now known as Waiola Church. Um, There's also, however, one of the women who watched this happen as a 17-year-old in 1884 said the coffins were actually full of sand, and she wasn't sure that the bones of those people were actually still in there, in which case that would have been fulfilling a Hawaiian tradition of hiding bones in secret of Ali'i. In any case, the Waine'e Cemetery still has monuments to those people. These are tangible things that take us back to not only the people of that time, but also the other things that that we just heard and that were being mentioned of the agriculture that was there, the traditional agriculture. All of those things are, again, uh, as, as Theo has mentioned this too, are a significant part of the history of Lahaina. 
Well, this is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. We are talking Lahaina memories with historian DeSoto Brown and Lahaina Restoration Foundation's Theo Morrison. Uh, share memories of Lahaina by calling one 941 3689 We'll be right back after a short break. Support for HPR comes from the Honolulu Board of Water Supply, Ohana, working to protect and manage Oahu's water resources since 1929 for fresh water now and for future generations. Boardofwatersupply.com. This year marks the 20th anniversary of the pumpkin spice latte. We ask, what does it mean in our culture? And how has pumpkin spice stuck around this long? Pumpkin pie spice can be the leading lady or the best friend. She's constantly reinvented herself. So you can't kill her because you can't catch her. The power of pumpkin spice. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Beginning Saturday at noon, following Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Support for The Conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian motor experts, and Chaminade University. back with the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio and our phone lines are open and one of the callers in queue is a friend of mine, Julian Lipscher. How are you this morning? How are you? Good, good. So you used to work for the Department of Health. What would you like to share with our listeners? That is correct. Um, I worked for the Department of Health uh, and worked on Maui uh, during the early 70s uh, and 80s and familiar with the U.S. Siemens Hospital, which was the predecessor of the U.S. Public Health Service. Uh, at that time, it was the U.S. Marine Hospital that operated between 1844 and 1862, and whaling was a hard life. Sailors had scurvy and dysentery and tuberculosis, and it was injuries, uh, and they needed a place to rest. The hospital at times had 100 patients a year and a staff of three, but I had a personal connection that I grew up in Connecticut, and as a small kid, my folks took me to the Mystic Seaport where the last whaling ship afloat, the Charles W. Morgan, was there. And the ship's log was uh, under glass, and it said they went to Hawaii, to Lahaina, which at that time was spelled O-W-Y-H-E-E, which piqued my interest and made me look up where Hawaii was. So the restoration of the Siemens Hospital in 1976 on the National Register of Historic Places meant a lot. So thanks for the opportunity to reflect on this. Aloha. Thank you so much, Julian. And and Theo, what can you tell us? What What's the state of the Siemens Hospital? Uh, it was another building that was gutted, but um, it should be noted. Well, number one, we have the Habs drawing, the historic architectural drawing survey of that building, and it was totally reconstructed by architect Uwe Schultz in like the 80s. 
And so using those drawings and using all the existing stones and lava rocks. So we just have to do it again. I just discovered something. I'm sure, Theo, you know this, but I didn't. The walls actually collapsed on their own before the restoration happened. Uh, partly it's assumed because of ground vibrations caused by high-rise buildings being built, other buildings being built nearby at the same time period. So it's, a, it's already been totally reconstructed. The walls, the yeah. stone walls have been reconstructed. The interior, of course, was redone as an architect's office. And um, yes, you're, you're right. It's, we've got to go back to the beginning yet again for that building and others. That's correct. Yeah, it was a pile. What we bought, we bought that property. It was a pile of rocks. Mm. But we had the drawings. We had an architect that could do it. And we rebuilt the Siemens Hospital. So now at least the walls are standing, although we have to get them um, examined because it's possible that the heat from the fire um, damaged the mortar. So we, ha- we need to just um, verify that, but otherwise, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I was gonna say one thing too, in addition to that building, obviously the Bailey House, uh, uh, the Baldwin House, not Bailey House, the Baldwin House uh, structures as well as the courthouse need to be assessed as to whether they are still strong enough to be reconstructed. But I also, one of the really build, the, the prominent buildings on Front Street, which is still standing, is the Lahaina store, which was uh, reinforced concrete, built in 1916. And everybody remembers it as the place of the Fleetwoods restaurant and bar. But um, I'm hoping that too can be used as it is to be reconstructed without having to be demolished because that's one of the very few survivors, not as old as the other buildings. But uh, again, I'm hoping the early restorations of some of these things are gonna be important for keeping people's spirits up. And it's just like, I'm hoping that I'm told that the banyan tree has sprouted. I haven't seen that, but I certainly am looking forward to seeing green leaves on the banyan tree as well. Keeping our fingers crossed. Uh, We have another caller on the line, Cindy Prowler. Uh, What's on your your, your mind? Aloha. Good morning. Thank you for this show. I am the executive director of the Pacific Tsunami Museum in Hilo. And I love the idea of a fire museum. And uh, one of our, our mission is twofold. Hang on, there's a loud car. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we hold the stories. We have a tremendous collection of oral history of tsunami survivors. And um, I can tell you that that is an incredible gift that keeps giving not only to the families of those folks, but for other people around the world as well. And um, so anything we can do to help with your fire museum, we are we're happy to do so and our compassion to everyone. Thank you so much, Cindy. We appreciate you uh, calling in. Um, And I could just add too, Hilo has been through two experiences very similar to Lahaina in that large parts of Hilo have been destroyed twice by tsunamis, once in 1946 and once in 1960. So not only have they undergone the reconstruction process, but they've also got, as she said, a museum to memorialize those two disasters and what it meant to the city of Hilo. Yeah, and we had the lava inundation too. Those, you know, many families that were displaced by that. We have another caller on the line, May Lam. 
Oh, gosh, I think we lost her. Uh, uh, she shared that uh, she was a former restaurant owner of a Chinese restaurant. I think the family sold it last year, uh, and she just wanted to express her views about that. You know, we also put out a call for your Lahaina stories, and we got a few on our talkback line. Uh, we'll start with this caller from Maui. I would go every Halloween for the last 45 years, minus the pandemic years, to the revelry on Front Street. It started with only two sidewalks open for everyone and then expanded to the entire street. My only problem was getting a headache from grinning so much as I walked the entire length of Front Street. I also loved the four museum pass you could get from the Lahaina Restoration Foundation to go visit the four Lahaina museums the Baldwin House to see how the missionaries lived, the Carthaginian to visit a whaling vessel, the Wohing Museum to see how the Chinese laborers gathered and worshipped, and the Hale Pa'i Printing Press Museum up at Lahaina Luna, housing the oldest printing press west of the Mississippi. I guess that last museum is the only one standing today, sadly. My name is Kim Chang. I'm calling from Lahaina, Maui, and... I remember growing up in Lahaina Pump and the Easter egg hunts under the banyan tree and the Mele o Maui under the banyan tree. It was everything about Lahaina. A harbor fishing with my dad, catching Halalu, just cruising all up and down Front Street when I was a child into my teen years and then raising my family here. Julie Fossey from Portland, Oregon. We are sending our aloha to everyone on Maui, especially in Lahaina at this difficult time. I started going to Lahaina when I was 18 for my high school graduation. And my husband and I spent our honeymoon on Maui in Lahaina and Kaanapali. We have been going back every year for 29 years and our hearts are just so saddened by everything that's happened. And we are planning to come back several times in the next year to support everyone on Maui. Yes, we want to support Maui. That's, and that's what I will be doing in my small part this coming week to uh, spread some money around on Maui. And that's, I'm, I'm chuckling about it, but it's a very strong need. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, maybe you can connect with Theo while you're there. <laughs> I would love to if we could. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just so much to, um, to connect about, actually. Uh, we have another caller from the line, uh, on the line, Donya from Maui. Good morning. Good morning. Aloha kakakiaka. It's Donya Novak calling from Maui. I live in Wailuku, but... Um, I just wanted to give a public shout-out to C.L. Morrison, who has single-handedly reshaped Lahaina and rebuilt Lahaina more than once. Get ready, girl. It's, we need you, <laughs> and we need you to do it all over again. And um, C.L. Morrison is so loved and cared for, and I know that uh, it, it's just devastating what has happened, but, you know, we're all doing our part and uh, trying to keep positive, and um, thank you. Theo, I appreciate you. Oh, you're you're welcome. <laughs> yes, lots of work ahead uh, for you, Theo, and and all the folks that are involved in the museums here on the islands. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, again, as I'm saying that, uh, 
I'm, I'm seeing that there can be and should be and probably will be and surely will be a, a consortium of different people involved. The government, of course, needs to be involved. The county of Maui, not, not only that, but the state of Hawaii, federal government as well. Um, lots and lots of people from different parts of Maui and Lahaina to give their thoughts. And there are all sorts of different things, to, again, to think about building back so that it's not flammable. So that when houses are reconstructed and when commercial buildings are reconstructed, we don't go through this again. And there are ways to do this. And there are ways that certainly architects and engineers can give consultations as well to be able to prevent yet another tragedy like this from happening just the same way as this does. And and obviously there's a lot of infrastructure uh, situations to be dealt with as well. So it isn't just individuals building back on individual pieces of property. It's a whole big concerted process, which I hope is going to be happening to prevent this from ever happening again. And also using this as a chance to go back and correct anything that needs to be corrected. If there are streets that need to be changed, if there are other aspects, this is the time we have a, a blank slate in which to to dream and think about ways to improve Lahaina too and and always being mindful of its history and Theo any thoughts about building back better are, are you asking me yes you asking? Theo mm-hmm. well it's gonna what's, what's important to remember is it's going to be a community process and it's, it's a process it's going to take a long time to go through all those discussions and everybody's voice needs to be heard and at the end of the you know the end of the process we'll be able to come up with a plan that the community um accepts but we it's i know everybody's drawing up all their plans right now but um it's it takes time it takes a long time to um, think about it and include everybody. Like I, like I, when I mentioned all those different eras, all those eras are what make Lahaina, Lahaina. And especially the Hawaiian uh, pre-contact era, we really need to um, bring that forth. Yeah. And Moka'ula yeah. and that whole section, the south end of Front Street. Do yeah. you have any final thoughts, um, DeSoto? Oh, I think that just Theo just summed that all up, and I know that there are a lot of logistical things that have to be coped with, too, like getting insurance payments and stuff like that. So even though this is still very, the the memories are still very raw, we're only a month away from when it happened, still it's not too soon to start thinking about all of these things, to start the planning for all of these things, and to get the discussions started. Again, it's it's still painful, but it's never too soon to start those discussions and and again to dream in an optimistic and positive way towards thinking about what Lahaina will be when it is reborn and rebuilt. We have a minute left. Any final thoughts, Theo? Um, No, I really appreciate having this conversation with everybody and it's great to know how much everybody really loves Lahaina because we certainly do and we are optimistic about the future. There was a, another fire in 1919. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. Most yes. of the town burned down, but the Baldwin home didn't. So we've had our history. <laughs> and now I agree, time, it's time to rebuild with the idea that we never let this happen again. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, we can do it again. Yeah. Maui strong, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we would like to thank our guests, Theo Morrison, Executive Director of the Lahaina Restoration Foundation, and DeSoto Brown, historian for the Bishop Museum. And we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. And we want to thank the caller who suggested the idea of doing the show about collecting memories about Lahaina. Uh, you have a memory to share? Go to ags.hawaii.slash archives and find the August 2023 archives. Send a picture, postcard, letters, record your memories um, on paper. It's a place that they will live at the Hawaii State Archives. They are willing to accept your contributions for safekeeping. That's it for this Aloha Friday. Uh, you know, next week we'll take a look at how an upcoming small business fair can help those impacted by the Maui wildfires and those looking to start a business. Our, bus- our program is produced by Russell Subiono, Lillian Song, and Stephanie Hahn. Backyard Quiz theme, John DeMello. Theme music, Gypsy 808. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow. Oh, join us Monday. Pick up the conversation. Mm-hmm.